Welcome to Personal Financial Strategy, the podcast, a podcast wholly devoted to you and your relationship with money, bringing expertise to bear on how you earn, invest, and spend your hard-earned cash. I'm your host, Tony King, and today we welcome back a special guest to the podcast, Beth Probst. Welcome to the Personal Financial Strategy podcast, Beth. Hi, Tony. Thanks for having me back. Thank you so much for coming back. I'm really excited for our conversation today. But first, let me just kind of reintroduce you a little bit to bring up, to kind of tickle the memory of our listeners, (laughs) our strategists out there. To reintroduce Beth, she's the founder of a company called At The Core, which she established in 2012. And At The Core is engaged in empowering students with knowledge and tools as they prepare to make the very important decisions that surround their transition from high school to their future. Did I do that okay? I think you did that great. And I and I love too, you know, we're gonna talk about, we're gonna focus today, I know, on 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 paying for college and kind of that that ginormous elephant in the room for a lot of families. But I'd like to go back and and just focus on what you said right there super quick, you know, helping students think about their path from high school to their future, whatever path that, you know, and that path is going to be different for some kids. It's going to definitely be that moving toward college for other kids. They may not have enjoyed high school as much, and maybe that's um, a great time to kind of assess what kinds of careers can be right for this kiddo? You know, are credentials and certifications the better pathway for this student? Do they really need to, does anyone need to make that investment in a four-year college? So I think that really is a great first question for families to ask is to really kind of size up, given the investment that college is, is to really think, is college right for this child right after high school? Or is there a better initial pathway toward a successful step toward into their future. So I think that's just a good qualifier as we get ready to talk about money in college. Well, I appreciate that so much, mostly because, and, and again, as a little bit of a review, you like to intersect with students early on, like, um, by sophomore year in high school. And that really gives you the time to do some assessment and, and, and see if perhaps college might not be the best. That's that's true. We work so we do kind of a unique thing that we talked about last time we were together. It's a it's a deep and in-depth interview-based process that we do with students and it's intended to help them start with sort of that introspection. You know, what do I really know about me? What kind of lifestyle goals do I have? What are my interests, my strengths, my struggles, all those things. And then we teach them how to connect that to potential careers of interest that will will link all the things that they are, you know, and and kind of help them play to their strengths and their interests as they look at doing, uh, seeing the work that can be a great fit for them. But then we also teach them that career exploration process, really how how to how to go so much deeper than just the name of a career, mm-hmm. <laughs> because a name doesn't tell us very much really right. um, and, and our kiddos need to learn how to do how to do that career exploration so we do we uh, we do that work with students as early as sophomores in high school and Tony we will do that work th- with students 
up to halfway through college. So, so there's a window of time where we, where that student has the, the, I would call it the capability to really think about and do the uh, career identification work together with us in career exploration to make a difference in their educational planning, um, especially as they move uh, through those years, those specific is kind of 18 to 22, or actually more like 16 to 20, age 16 to 20 years. Right. right. So that would, that's the key. I love that. So when, one of the things I think is most advantageous about the at the court program is, you know, I mentioned in our last podcast, I, I have four daughters and they're all through through their college careers at this point. Um, Yay! And I, I, I would, I would, I would make you like pull up your sleeves so that I could see if you have scars. I'm just joking. I'm a daughter, so I'm sure I caused my parents some scars. But, and I, at my husband and I have a daughter ourselves, so totally understand. Sons, sons and daughters, they can be tough, but four girls, um, I, I honor you. Well, thank you, thank you. But I'm thinking back to that process, and I'm going, you know, you know after our last discussion and just hearing about how you'll start early and even even walk with kids through their first couple of years of college that just seems so right to me because the system that we leveraged when when our our girls were going into college was the local high school counselor and you know that was a brief encounter at best i mean I it, and there's just so much, so little information that you can fit into those encounters. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not trying to throw nope. water on high school counselors, but yeah, I mean, they just not. don't have the time. They don't have what you just described as your, your guy, you know, you have a good four-year process maybe of, it is, of helping it through. It's a, so it's a, it's a window of time that we're going to work with that students. It's, it's deep, it's, it's in-depth. It goes so, it, so much into what students often need, but but we did the same thing, Tony. You know, we were hopeful that our school counselors could do more. And the reality is that they are strapped typically, and especially in a public school system, um, they're strapped with a lot of responsibilities. And they um, also have a caseload that is huge. You know, for, for us, it was somewhere um, 400, 450 students per counselor. Oh, wow. So just yeah, the nature, not? the nature of that ratio is that your student, you know, I think both of my kids, to be very honest with you, were were very proud that their counselor did not know them very well. They actually viewed that like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having to see my counselor that much. So I, I which no. is really the wrong mindset. But but in the end, our kids still need help with all of these components helping them prepare for what comes after high school. And boy, that time, especially the end of high school, really races through. And when we have a student who is thinking about college, there are all of these steps that in, in the process of applying for college that can be very noisy and take up a lot of space and time in someone's head. And, um, and just, you know, per our first discussion, we would really uh, suggest and challenge that family to think long and hard about what kinds of career aspirations and thinking this student has and what kinds of majors will support that student to move toward that kind of career. And then last, think to think about the college itself. So um, yeah. so I think that that probably recaps our first one. Anybody can go back, I'm sure, and listen to that first one yeah. pretty well. But um, but I know um, that, that that 
the noise can get in the way. And especially one of the big noisy pieces that we're going to talk about today is the, is the money side. Exactly. Exactly. And again, I think, I don't want to get a speak for you or, or get out in front of you, but I think you, you encourage early discussion mm. of the cost of college. I can't, I cannot tell you I, I, for sure. Hundreds of families that I have witnessed personally or uh, through a, a secondary source, a story from a, you know, my friend's family did it this way. And it goes kind of like this, like if the family made no discussions about money at all, this happens frequently and it happens for lots of reasons where we haven't talked to our kids about how much we make. We haven't talked to our kids about um, how much our vacation cost. We haven't talked to our kids about you know, the, some of those real world things, we think we're protecting them from them, that per, perhaps um, maybe we think they're not ready. Um, all those things kind of get in the way. And so then college starts to loom on the horizon and we're like, well, the other piece is a lot of families don't want to feel like they're limiting their child, right? We all want the best for our child, whatever the best is. And, and often, families will almost throw away some of the normal logic that we would use, you know, on whether or not this can yeah. fit into our family's budget. A lot of that gets set aside as our child starts to, you know, think about colleges. And then worse, we start to go on some campus visits. And I've seen this personally on campus visits where, you know, a, 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 someone will ask, well, what is the, you know, total cost of attendance here at this university, you know, and they may say $75,000, you know, a year, let's just assume. And the kiddo is like, okay, all right. So 70, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the parent is like, why, you know, what? I had, we didn't know that. Or, or, or the family is thinking, well, my kiddo is a really talented kiddo. They should get some discount. They should get some scholarship. They won't pay. They won't really pay $75,000 a year. My kiddo is you know, um, academically talented, and and we certainly will receive a discount. So a lot of families go into this without having some of this framework and discussion about money. And I think without that, no one has the what do I want to call it? I you know when you go bowling and they put up those things in the gutter. <laughs> oh, the gutter guard. The gutter guards. You know, so we don't have any we don't have any guards or guidelines. That's a silly analogy. I was, I don't know why I'm thinking about bowling, but um, I I think every family needs those guards, those guidelines, those those. Here is how our family intends to pay for college. Here's what our budget can be. And if you can do that kind of discussion with each kid before you start to head out on college visits, then in the end, the, the concept is, this is how our family is going to pay for college. Here is what you know it needs to fit into this container, this size. And eventually every child, every college that your child gets into will eventually send you a financial award letter, and you will learn what it will cost to go to that college for all four years 
or at least for the first year, and then you can extrapolate out for four years. And that's assuming terribly, this terrible, 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 but less than half of all students who begin a four-year degree program will finish in four years. So, oh, yeah. so perhaps you kind of just, you know, think about it in those terms, right? How, you know, there might be a fifth year, but eventually you'll hear what it will cost. And at our house, the way it worked and what I would suggest for everybody is if the number that the college comes back with is higher than your budgeted amount, then that college has essentially eliminated themselves from contention. So you don't get mad because the school costs too much. It just is what it is. The, the college can, um, can indicate this is our price. Some people will pay it. Some people will have set their budget and say, and say, I'm not going to pay that. And as long as you can strategize, one of the key tips that I want to make sure to share is, is that school selection is super duper key because if I only choose colleges that um, are going to cost $75,000 a year or more, and they don't have a track record of doing anything to help families out, families like mine with, um, with financial need, you know, I may not qualify for any kind of financial need, so that won't reduce the price of college. And if they are a, a university that attracts highly talented individuals, then who would they give any scholarship money to? Because everybody at the university has a 34 ACT and a, you know, 4.5 GPA and, you know, 10 AP classes. So how, how would they delineate or make a decision that this kid gets merit money. So uh, I think if we only include those kinds of schools in our discussion, and then we're surprised at the end by the fact that they come back with um, such a high number, that that's that's a, a mistake on our part as families. Right. We need to cast that wider net. We need to make sure that we include um, we need to include colleges that uh, we run the net price calculator for and begin to estimate what we believe are, you know, given our family and our family financial situation and our students' academic situation, what kind of cost are we really looking at um, being uh, billed for at this institution for four years? So I, I think it's it's our responsibility. I don't I don't personally like surprises. I don't want people to be surprised by um, how high uh, the numbers are. I think a lot of that can be can be alleviated through early, discussions with student with your students about budget and good research about which kinds of colleges can have a net price which could fit within our family's budget. Got it. Now I think I might have heard you say something there. And that yeah. is rec a recommendation that if a college doesn't fit a predetermined, mm -hmm. well thought out, mm -hmm. examined budget that you've made for college, you have to be willing to wave Say goodbye no. yep. to that college. Sure. Well, well, Tony, so, so super quick, we're going to have to wave goodbye to all but one anyway, right? So That's waving right. goodbye is a real part <laughs> of the college process. Yes. And one of the, one of the easy ways to wave goodbye is, is by, did they fit inside of our budget or did they not fit inside of our budget? That is, that is a clear indicator in or out. And I will mention as well, there are methods one can use to appeal. So I'll just bring that up super duper quick. We just did a webinar on this uh, about a month okay. ago. I was just going to ask you about yep, it. Actually. Yep. So, so, so families can do, let's say that, that 
you know, financial award letter comes back and it says, this is how much it's going to be, but you've gotten some offers from other apples to apples comparative schools, there is a process that you can go through to go back to that original school that has the higher number and ask them for consideration. Um, it's an appeals consideration. There's a set so we shared some specific logic on how to do that again in a webinar that we did. It was free webinar, still accessible via um, recording for families that might want to reach that. But um, but there is a process. But in the end, in the end, let's say you appeal and they come back and and discount you a little bit further or whatever. You're going to get to a number in the end, and that number again either fits or doesn't fit. So I, I love that as a tool. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, that's uh, yet again. That's another little dynamic that I wish I'd have known twenty years ago. <laughs> but, but Tony, but Tony, like I said, a lot of us go into this college process, and it, it is emotional. I'm I'm touching, you know, oh, families can't see 100%. me right now, but I'm touching my chest and my heart. You know, we want the best for our kiddos. We want them to be happy. We might remember our own college experience, and we might want some of those same experiences for our own child and so it gets all wrapped up in well and then the other thing that gets get get weaves in there is perceived reputation of certain right. schools that we quote unquote know right. and we really don't probably know very much about this school yeah. but we have a concept that you know there is this perceived quality at xyz university and um and boy, that is hard, hard, hard. Um, you know, if you if you're driving through somewhere and you stop, you know, on a on a summer vacation and your kiddo is a, a, a freshman in high school and you happen to stop at one of those institutions that has a very low acceptance rate. I won't pick on anyone in particular, <laughs> um, very low acceptance rate and a very high price. Um, and then you all get out of the car because you think you're doing something awesome. And we're going to do a college visit at this, you know, wonderful university and your child falls in love um, and then decides that is that is the only place that can ever be acceptable to them. Two things can happen. One, those with really low acceptance rates are extremely difficult to get into. So it is, you know, I mean, these are places that have single digit acceptance rates. So it's the odds, the odds are very low, just pure odds that a, a particular student will get in. And then often those schools, they, they want to make sure to create a situation where money is not an object for a student to go there. So they have kind of a different method. A lot of these, these institutions, yeah. mm -hmm, yep. So they'll use an institutional method of deciding how much your family should pay in the event your student gets one of those spots. And uh, for our economically disadvantaged and highly um, amazing kiddos that may not have the money to pay for it, they, they may end up not paying anything to go to you know, one of these elite institutions. But if your family has worked hard and worked with someone like you, Tony, and saved money, and, and they're really um, working to build a strong financial portfolio, then it's likely that your kiddo uh, is going to get a much bigger bill to go to a school like that. So these are all like surprising things to families. And like I said, I just don't like surprises. So we try to teach this kind of stuff so families know. But, you know, I did want to talk, Tony, too, about I don't know if you want to head in this direction, but I've got a couple of tips that I wanted to make sure to share with families about just a couple of very practical things, um, you know, beyond school selection that can help 
chip away at the cost of college and make things, sure, sure. make things, you know, I'm, I'm a very practical person. I've been through this twice with, uh, with our own children going through it twice, actually. Um, and mm-hmm. then uh, have, have certainly for the, the, the past uh, 11 or 12 years been alongside many families. So a couple of things to bring up one, um, dual enrollment. Oh my goodness. So almost every state in the U.S. has some form of dual enrollment or dual credit type um, program. Most states do. And they tend to be state level programs that are available to students, high school students, middle school students in that state. So I'll describe just super briefly how Ohio's works. It's, it's, It's fairly similar to, I'm in Ohio, it's very fairly similar to other states. They tend to have some limitations along the way. Ohio's is pretty nice, um, fewer limitations. But the concept is dual enrollment, dual credit, sometimes it's called. Um, The concept is that while your student is a student in high school, if they are prepared for some level of college level coursework, some, so, I mean, we're talking like 1,000 level college courses, like an English 1100 composition class type thing. Yeah, which we all have to do, you know. You all will have to do in college. So think of it as bringing that class down into the high school years. And so how how would a student actually even know that they could do these classes? Typically a bar for entering these dual enrollment or dual credit classes is to show that you are ready for college level coursework. So how would I show that I'm ready for that? Normally by taking the ACT or SAT or showing in another way that I'm ready for college level coursework. So if I can, you know, as a sophomore in high school score above a readiness benchmark in the state of Ohio, that opens the door for me to take dual credit or dual enrollment classes. When I do that, I am duly enrolled in my home high school and in a college that's participating with this for that class. So if I take that English 1100 class, I'm a real live college student. I'm taking, I have a professor, I have a syllabus, I have a a college course book, all those things. I'm taking it through the college. I'm earning, earning college credit. And I, I am simultaneously at the same time, earning high school credit in the same subject. So for that college English class, I would be earning a high school English credit. Okay, but here's the best part. Here's the best part. In in most states, it is either free or reduced cost for that student to take advantage of that program. Um, So in in Ohio, there's no cost for a student, zero, no books, no tuition, no fees, no nothing, as long as they pass the class. So that student, and they can earn up to 100. Isn't that cool? So different states do, again, will have different limitations. Anybody can just just Google dual enrollment or dual credit in your state, and you'll start to, you'll get guided to the information about how your state does dual credit or dual enrollment. So um, what is the value or how is this a money saver though? So for every credit your student can earn under that free or reduced cost mechanism called dual credit in your state, that's a college credit that your student banks away and can then take with them to the university where, assuming that they might not stay at that institution. A lot of times high school kids will use uh, community colleges 
to mm -hmm. take these first classes because they're in the community, they're close by, and so right. they can take them there. So um, sometimes the classes are offered inside the high school. It just depends on the, the policy of the, the state and the district. So, so those bank college credits are college credits no one can ever take away from your kiddo. And if they earn 30 credits while a student in high school, and in Ohio, as I said, you pay zero as long as they pass, those are 30 credits you take with you to the college that will accept them for transfer. And of course, that's up to every college's policy, whether they will accept transfer credits and how, how many they will accept. So colleges have been, um, students have been transferring from college to college for years and oh years my gosh. and years and years. Right. So it just depends on the credit transfer policy. But I always tell families, if your student has earned a lot of credits through a dual enrollment program, then perhaps your um, your search criteria, as you start to look at the 2004 year institutions that are out there, you want to find the ones that will accept the credit, and perhaps you eliminate <laughs> those that won't accept right. the credit, because right. then you're then you're you're having to repay. You'd have to pay for those credits that your student already earned. So why wouldn't right. I want them to to go in? Um, so not uncommon um, today for uh, for students uh, in our neck of the woods to carry uh, you know, a full year of credit into their ultimate college, which again, um, if I carry 30 credits in, a typical BS or BA is about 120 credits. So I'm carrying about a quarter of my credits in, and then I only have to pay for three years of college. That costs less, yeah. right? <laughs> three is less than four. <laughs> three is less than four. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 25. But but think about that. I mean, like if that year of college was going to cost $30,000, you know, times four, you just save $30,000. Yeah, um, that's big. So that's so another um, another kind of I would call it a sibling to dual enrollment is a, a lot of families like the idea of AP and in the International Baccalaureate program where that exists for students that's not as common as the AP program. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about AP, but the only things I would say to families about AP, when we're talking, you know, if our goal is to save money on college, when our student takes an AP class, it's not universal, but very commonly, there is a fee that the student, that the family will pay for some portion of the AP class. It could just be a fee for taking the test at the end. It could be another kind of fee that the college, or that the high school assesses. It's different. I mean, there's 25,000 US high schools. They all do right, it a little bit differently. Right. So um, look at what your policy is for your high school. So you're gonna pay something likely for that AP class. And then the other thing I point out I like to have families think of the P and AP as potential credit. So, so where that dual enrollment is, I'm taking an actual college class, earning a grade, earning the credit, I'm banking the credit. The potential of AP hinges upon two things. One, um, how am I gonna do on that single three hour, very difficult multiple choice test in the month of May? So I take this whole class all through the year and my AP exam is in the month of May. They're hard, no kidding. And, and the kids work really hard. The teachers work really hard to prepare them. But how a student performs on that test, they get a score, a five, a four, a three, a two, or a one. And if they get a lower score, like a one or a two, 
no college is going to allow that student to do quote unquote do anything with that score from a credit perspective. Oh. Um, so if a student is a not a good high stakes tester, um, they don't do well in that kind of pressure situation. Wow. That's really good to think about. And then the other piece is every college has an AP credit transfer policy and they can actually decide that, okay, well, we're super proud of you for getting that three on that AP psych exam. But here at our institution, we will only bring that in and count it as credit that you don't have to pay for if you would have gotten a four or a five, the higher score. So then your kid is like, I did all this work for a whole year. I did so well on that test. I'm so proud of myself and I got a three, but this university won't do anything with it. And so I like to think of the P as potential. It is not actual college credit that you will use to save money, but potentially it is. Wow, so, see, and that's something I bet most parents do not know. Maybe even most kids do not know that. They think they get, I think the common thought is, I'm taking an AP course, that's going to transfer to college. And that's exactly right. AP equals credit. I'm earning, yeah. I have kids tell me, I'm earning college credit. And I have to back them up and say, you are earning, you are potentially <laughs> earning credit. It depends on how you perform on that test. And it depends on what colleges you you have on your list and what their policies are. So um, so just, I just want families to keep size yeah. that up and keep that in it's mind. Just a heads um, up, yeah. Yes. And in addition, you know, some states like Georgia has the Zell Miller Scholarship and Bright Futures down in Florida. The, these are some state programs that are working to provide a very economic vehicle for certain types of students. And when I say it, these are academically very talented students who um, the state of Georgia is trying to keep in the state of Georgia by discounting significantly a step into a state university in, in Georgia for those kids. They'll really discount it tremendously. And so, but that can be a big motivator for a lot of kids. They're, they're like, if I just do these couple of things, I'll qualify you know, for bright futures. And we really like that, um, that our cost will be significantly less. And so, so if somebody, so it's never a bad thing to, to mm -hmm. prepare academically, um, and to do good things academically in high school, but not every kid can do that. But if you have a kiddo that can fit into that category, uh, those kinds of state level programs can be amazing. In addition, Another tip, there are some colleges, some individual colleges that kind of do the same thing. They will publish qualifications for merit scholarships. They are attempting, so it's a business decision. They are attempting to attract certain kinds of students to their um, their college. And they're going to do it by discounting the price of college if that kiddo comes, this, this specific kind of kiddo. And what do I mean by specific kind? I don't mean, you know, they have this color eyes or they, you know, their fingernails are this long or anything like that. Mm -hmm. It is that they um, have met some academic uh, qualification and criteria. So often it's based on their GPA and their performance on ACT or SAT. Not always, but usually those two. So if, if, wow. if, those, if, those, if I can reach those goals, then um, you know, the University of Alabama is a great example. They have a wonderful published 
grid of merit scholarships and I can go right, I can find myself, my qualifications, my GPA and my ACT or SAT score right on the grid and follow it across and see exactly how much money they will slice off if I choose to go there. And they're so they're rewarding me as right. a qualified participant. So knowing that those exist um, right. and, and if you really are hunting for those and trying to reduce what you pay for college, those can be a great, a great fit. So two more quick ones. One, um, okay. I have to shout out for community college. Uh, there are so many amazing community colleges and back to that kid who, you know, we talked about at the beginning who might not really know that they want to go to college. Maybe they haven't truly enjoyed high school that much. Maybe they need some more time to really think through what they want to do. Maybe they want to give us a call and work with us on that in-depth interview process and do yeah. some thinking, thinking yeah. about careers. Um, that community college can be a wonderful step toward continuing education. Um, our community colleges have some just some traditional gen ed classes that a student can get out of the way in that first year or two. Most of our community colleges though, also have some other very specific programs that might be tied to employment needs in the area. Ooh. So uh, in our neck of the woods, we see a lot of engineering and logistics and healthcare. So these two-year tighter programs that can take place um, at a community college, launching that student toward that kind of career without the um, without the burden, if you will, of a traditional four-year degree. And by burden, I mean the time, um, the right. studying that the student may not be really loving, and right. also certainly the cost. So don't forget our community colleges. Right. They're very, they're very key. You know what I like about that one, and and maybe I'm just drawing a little too much on my own experience, but I like the community college option for for anybody who maybe is emerging from high school as average, and doesn't really have a good yeah. feel for how academically inclined they are. I think community college is a great place to go and find out. Yep, it is. And and possibly even to try, it, you know, it, it's it's so interesting, Tony. I, I work with so, we work with so many, high, there's 15 of us on our team, so many high school students. And it is kind of kooky when you step back and you think about, we we sort of hope that through the the wide and and you know the broad and and shallow experience of high school high school academics you take math you take english you take your social studies classes you take um, your science classes you have some electives and we cross our fingers and just sort of hope right. that our kiddos will find something that lights them up and makes them excited but what happens when they don't or what happens when the way that they learn is really more through hands-on and, and they're sitting all day long in this high school, listening to someone, you know, it, it feels like droning on to them, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> and, and then you tell that kiddo, well, I'd like you to head on to college where we're going to spend $30,000 a year so you can do four more years of that. How <laughs> would that be even remotely exciting? to that student who has never felt connected to anything that they're learning in that broad high school educational curriculum. Um, right. it's, it, it's kind of, 
it's kind of sad when we when we think about that. And that kiddo today, um, I think a community college can be a great fit. I do think that that student needs to do some deeper work in understanding, um, you know, who they are and that and what makes them tick and excited and how to take that and connect that to the kinds of work that will make them happy once their education ends, whenever that is. So I, I just want that student to make a, a great transition. Yeah, you know, I'm just going to take on a little a little banner of encouraging community college. Just uh, I've just, yep. just, like I said, I put four kids into college and and not just four kids, but all their friends as well. And I've, I've just watched and, and um, that first year of college for kids that I've observed that maybe got through high school yeah. without much rigor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, high they, didn't have, they didn't have, they didn't have to try too hard, let's say. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because they're, they're, they are kind of bright and kind of gifted and, and not, that much was required so you know why would they yeah. <laughs> apply themselves um then get to their freshman year at a very expensive private college in southern california and go holy smokes what have i got myself into uh-oh now um, i'm yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. just a pitfall for that sure. can be out there for some kids and i and i've noticed it that's why i just want to put a shout out to the community college. So, so, so for sure, two more shout outs to community college. One, um, you know, we know a lot of students who maybe aren't quite at the level of maturity to be ready for what a four-year college is. And so community college can be that great time for having more responsibility, more autonomy in um, what courses I take, the opportunity to maybe take some classes that I haven't taken before, get that time to grow during those those couple of years. And, and of course, you're doing that, you know, at a lot lower bill than a traditional four-year college. Uh, second thing, just to point out, our community colleges, they are unbelievable in terms of being responsive to the community. Um, so they have this community college name, right, in their name, and they, and by being responsible to the community, I see them doing very creative things for and with students and for and with employers. So what one, I'll just plant the thought that our community colleges can alter their programs much more quickly in response to a community need for more you know, healthcare professionals, as an example, they can turn that right back around and offer those programs much more quickly than a four-year institution because they are more nimble. Mm -hmm. um, they, they're, they, they run that tighter organization. Mm -hmm. they, so just a couple, I, I too love community colleges. Mm -hmm. All of, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I just want students to understand all the options that are out there Yeah, and to not, not overpay. And not, yeah, there you go. And, and that, that not to mention the, the core reason for our discussion today, the economic yep. advantage yep. of yep. a community cost. You know, in just in conversation, you and I have talked about this, this early discussion involving kids early in the discussion of the money discussion. And I heard, I heard you say one time that you might even encourage uh, parents to encourage kids to participate in the uh, paying for college or maybe even saving for college. And what, what were your thoughts along those lines? 
So, you know, it, it, it is interesting, the skin in the game concept. Yes, that, exactly. That, yeah. So I, I don't, I won't pick on, on you specifically. I, I won't pick on me specifically, but I will say <laughs> um, people of a certain age, those of us who went to college maybe a while ago, college cost a lot less. And it was yes. actually a reality that we could work in the summertime and make money. And that money was enough to really put a dent in what our college costs were. So, so let's just start with the reality that I think it's pretty unrealistic to think that any student, even working jobs from, you know, part-time jobs from 14 or 15, all the way up to the time that they started college, even working, you know, during the summer, if you didn't want them to work during the school year, it's really hard for them to make enough money to uh, contribute tremendously to college. But I do like when they contribute in any way. I, I love skin in the game because otherwise um, we all know the stories. We all know the stories, Tony, about the kiddo who heads off to college, has viewed college as just this wonderful time to go have a great time. Mm -hmm. And I picked my college because of the college football scene yeah. or, you know, or this is a, it's a party school and all my friends are going there. Right. So we know what can happen when there's a little bit too much focus on partying that, that, that can, they can take that money in. Right. So I like that skin in the game kind of thing. And some parents do it. Gosh, I've seen, I've seen parents who say, you know, of all the cost of college, we want you to be responsible for a quarter of it or a half of it, or other families will say, you know, from the start, we're still paying off, you know, our own college loans, and we're actually not going to be able to help you at all. So being very upfront with that and helping a student understand what the impact of loans will be when they finish, if they, you know, can motivate that student to finish in four years. I just, I just think being open and honest and frank about it, mm -hmm. um, not hiding behind, um, we'll talk about it later, or I hear families sometimes say, I, I just want my kid, I just want my kid to focus on getting in. And if they get in, we'll quote unquote figure out how to pay for it. Um, but a lot of or 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 you know, grandparents have said, we'll help with college. And then and then when the rubber hits the road and you talk to them about it, they they say, Well, yeah, we were thinking, yes, uh, five thousand dollars a year, which is awesome and wonderful. But that grandparent may have been thinking that was gonna cover like a large chunk. And so more than likely I, they were thinking that they were thinking that. And so I, I guess I just, the, the frankness and openness, there's too much money that's at stake when we're talking about, you know, one or two, or in your case, four children heading to college mm -hmm. to not have these discussions and to not help a student, you know, if it's your family's choice, to have some skin in the game and to have, and I've even seen this, I'll plant this other thought and I do like this thought. So, so some families really resist that and they say, we want to pay for everything for our kiddo. I, listen, listen, I've seen families tell their kiddo that they have to be responsible for whatever, a quarter of it or whatever. And the kiddo goes all through college, believing that they'll pay for a quarter of it. But that family, the mom and dad in the back of their heads are saying, if my kiddo actually does college the right way, I'm, I will, will make that go away. We want to give that last gift to them where they don't, you know, and for families that can do that, that is a lovely um, yeah, opportunity yeah. and thing, thing to be able to do. But every family has got to do it the way that um, makes sense for them. 
And hopefully this conversation has provided just some different little food for thought for families as they consider how to pay less for college and some of the strategies and um, best practices that can, um, that can help a family really move toward that with confidence. Well, Beth, thank you so much. You've given us um, a lot of ways to think about paying for college today. And, th- and that's what I think most parents and most kids need. They, uh, you know, the, the traditional ways of paying for college, um, I, I don't think they have the best outcomes because I think the traditional ways, at least the college students that I know, they'll, they'll go into debt at yeah. a far too great level and they emerge with a semi-marketable degree and and a huge monkey on their back as as they start their careers and um you've just opened my eyes uh, hopefully our <laughs> eyes to a lot of way a lot of different ways we can shave that down and make maybe even come out of college not owing anybody anything maybe wouldn't wouldn't that be phenomenal wouldn't yeah. that isn't that isn't that what we want i mean any of us who have ever been in debt we know how oh, awful boy. that feeling is, and we don't want that for our children. And so, boy, you put that feeling on one side of a scale and put put the feelings that we all have during this college process on the other side of the scale, right? The feelings, I want my child to have a be- the best experience they can. We have to weigh and balance both of those. We It is, it is a disservice to our children if we send them out the door strapped with a lot of debt. They're going to start their lives in a hole. And it is also a disservice if we take on that debt, we take on that debt in our names, and we as parents watch our children go off and we are now strapped with debt that we'll be paying for into our retirement. That's also not responsible, I think. Um, So again, hopefully a lot of those little tips that we talked about today. I'm always open to conversations with families. Anybody at any time can contact us via our website. It's uh, www.gettingatthecore.com. So the company name is At The Core but the website is gettingatthecore.com. Our phone number is there. We take, believe it or not, we actually have a family liaison whose job it is, is to just sit with a catcher's mitt and take all of our inbound emails and phone calls, um, Facebook messages. We know families need a resource and someone to just ask quick questions of. And if we um, can help and it's a quick answer, we can give it, we will do that. If it's something that, um, we might recommend that you connect with one of our partners that does something in an area that we don't do. We just know families need resources and um, we're proud to be that trusted advisor for thousands of families across the country now. Great, Beth. Thank you so much. You thank did a you great Tony. job wrapping up there on your own. I didn't even have to lead, <laughs> lead you into it, but thank you awesome. so much for being with us. And it's Beth at gettingatthecore.com yep. is your yep. email. Yep. And, yep. uh, or, or you can go to the webpage, getting at thecore.com and probably get all your questions answered right there. A uh, lot of great resources there. I appreciate having this conversation and, um, you know, college and money is one of those things that pops up for any family that's trying to do money well. So I'm really, really grateful and glad that you promoted or provided this kind of forum for your followers um, as they are trying to do money well. Thank you very much, Beth. Thanks again. And until next time, strategists keep on strategizing.